you have a real estate related joke? Uh, real estate, no. Okay. Hello. Hey, there's Tom. Here I am. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Ugh. And we finally get to do the yellow jacket picture. <laughs> oh, goody. Note excitement. You know, that's the wrong company. Century 21. Yeah, they're wearing yellow jackets. We do not wear the yellow jackets. I wouldn't be caught dead in a yellow jacket. They call them the real estate agent yellow ninja blazer. No, you call them that. Because you just made that up. <laughs> Speaking as an ex-real estate broker. You never wore a yellow jacket in your life. I am not sure that that's correct. I'm pretty darn sure that's correct. And if you did, we're going to have some things to talk about. Yeah. You have something going in the background, Dawn? No. Oh, I opened the window. Hold on. Yeah, everybody's picking up their brats from school down the street. It's amazing how noisy it is. I know. Oh, you know what? The other thing, too, is the... Uh, oh, yeah. Um, that's what you we're hearing, not not the noise. We're hearing the uh, fan. You yeah, the, the thing. Yep. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to try and do this without hanging myself on cords. Uh, and? Perfect. It went away. Everybody gets to listen to the sausage being made. Maybe I should turn it back on. Ooh, Such nice and a nice and quiet. Nasty thing. Ugh. Well, we're waiting for Scott, and then we're ready to get this dog and pony show to the glue factory. Mm. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> Now it sounds like you're throwing your microphone across the room. How did you guess? <laughs> now I'm I'm trying to set my mic up because I'm over here in the home office, not not the home office, my home office. Uh huh. You know the one with the the bed. Yes. Okay, Scott's here. Let's do a countdown. <gasps> Yay! Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Oh, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yeah, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. 
from Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from an open house at a trailer park at Pacoima, this is Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 164. I thought it was the award-winning stamp show. Yeah, you let you you ex you met. Okay, you know what happened was <laughs> I'm having issues with my computer, so I have to do this. I have to read the script on my phone. Okay, fine. Well, I'm Cash. I had a job at the post office, but I fell asleep at the postal machine, and was mailed to the North Pole. Santa was there. We argued about Keynesian economics. That is why I hate phone booths. I'm Scott. Eight out of six people today don't understand fractions. I'm Mark, and my spirit animal is the silver tong, native to Pacoima. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Tom. I don't think it's Nar. I think it's Narf. Yes. And I'm your stamp mistress, Don. So get out your business cards and your real estate agent, yellow ninja blazer, stick that sale sign in your front yard and get ready for some multiple offers because we are going to discuss real estate stamps. What? What? There are two kinds of fears, rational and irrational, or in simple terms, fears that make sense and fears that don't. If they were afraid of lemon meringue pie, this would be an irrational fear because lemon meringue pie is delicious and has never hurt a soul. Being afraid of a monster under a bed is perfectly rational because there may, in fact, be a monster under your bed at any time, ready to eat you all up. But a fear of realtors is an irrational fear. Realtors, as I'm sure you know, are people who assist in the buying and selling of houses. Besides occasionally wearing an ugly yellow coat, the worst a realtor can do is show you a house that you find ugly. And so it is completely irrational to be terrified of them. Lemony Snickets. I'm afraid of they. I don't know who they are. They. Ooh, I'm afraid the of them. inclusive government. And they. Because you know, I don't know them either. But their quote says, if they were afraid of lemon meringue pie, who's they? Yeah, who are they? I'm a scared. <laughs> Although I thought the you movie, prob- I thought the movie was them, not they. It is them. I'm afraid of them too. You probably didn't know that there are stamps for real estate, and neither did I. That's why we're here. So let's see what the appraisal says about having five bedrooms but no bathrooms as we discuss the documentary issues of the United States. Documentary issues. Documentary would, issues. Would those be stamps on documents? Better known is the red revenues of the United States. Ooh. What about the green revenues? Those aren't for real estate. Those what are for stocks. Yes. What about the blue ones? But they are documents. What blues? You mean third issue? The blue revenue stamps. I don't know. So so we're just calling out why colors are we, now. Why are we picking on red? <laughs> yeah. Red and green. What it's about Christmas. the orange ones? It's Christmas time. And the yellow ones. Well, the only stamps I know of on real estate docs is uh, notary stamps, and that's different. 
In August 1862, while the American Civil War was being waged, the United States, well, the Union, government began taxing a variety of goods, services, and legal dealings. To confirm that taxes were paid, a revenue stamp was purchased and appropriately affixed to the taxable item, which would in turn pay the tax duty involved. And theoretically, it would be torn or creased or some other mutilation in opening the product to therefore invalidate the stamp and prevent reuse. Mm -hmm. The Department of Internal Revenue awarded Butler and Carpenter of Philadelphia the printing contract. In a twist that only the IRS could achieve, the bill from Butler and Carpenter was never sold by the U.S. government until some years later. Also, it was only after Butler and Carpenter wrote and appealed numerous times to the Internal Revenue about the matter. Sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Your money is my money and my money is my money. Now, was the Revenue Act of 1862 supposed to be temporary? It was. It was supposed to pay for the war. Right. Pay for the war effort and then end, right? And that's it, how we got the IRS. <laughs> well, it'll only be temporary. Give it another thousand years. Yeah, how, how many times have we seen that? You have a temporary tax and then it ends up being, you know, continuing indefinitely. Well, I, I have all to, the time. That's I, mostly just California. I, think. I, I have to disagree, though. The pharaohs had a grain tax, and today we don't have the grain tax. But we're not Egyptian. Yeah, those are technicalities that prove the <laughs> point. The new stamps were printed in several colors and depicted a portrait of George Washington on all thirty denominations, from one cent to two hundred dollars. The engraved image of Washington was modeled after a painting by Gilbert Stewart. The first issues were printed on hard, brittle paper and later printed on soft, woven paper of varying thicknesses. Colors were generally dull for stamps printed before 1868. The stamps were issued in sheets perforated with 12-gauge perforations or imperforate. That's perforations, not perforations. I said perforations. I yeah. did. Sounded like preparations. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Is that a way that we can, uh, is that a rule that we can use for expertizing part perks and things like that? It's it's one of those rules that generally applies, and if you follow it, you're going to be right most of the time. So you're going to look for, like, the imperforated stamps. You mean Different, the imperforate stamps? Imperforate stamps. So, well... The, the de-perforated stamps, where they were perforated and then people cut off the perforations to fake the more expensive ones, those were printed earlier in the run or later in the run? They were generally earlier because what happened was they passed these taxes and the printer had to catch up to provide enough stamps. So what they did is they opted to forego perforating either completely or partially in, an, in a, an effort to uh, 
speed up the production process of stamps and get them out to the people that needed them. So this is actually early on, right after the, the taxes were passed. So these would be actual early printings where the imperforate... Now, some of these issues are going to have fully perforated stamps that look exactly like the imperforate ones do. So, like I said, it's not a hard and fast 100% rule, but it's a it's a good guideline that'll get you 90% of the way there. So if you find an imperf or a part perf that is on a softer paper with a sharper color, generally speaking, it's going to be the later printing. And it's generally going to be something that had perforations trimmed off. Yeah, because we see a lot of, uh, here at PSE, we see a lot of trimmed stamps. The interesting thing is there's one later paper, there's a couple later papers that are really soft and one of them has experimental threads in the paper. Oh yeah. And uh, obviously those were never issued as the imperforates. And oddly enough though, we rarely see those come through with the perforations trimmed off for whatever reason. Well those experimental silks are um more viable than the uh, imperforates. Sometimes. The new revenue stamps were used to pay tax on proprietary items such as playing cards, patent medicines, and luxuries, and for various legal documents, stocks, transactions, and various legal services. Yeah, so if you want a picture, you want to play a game of gin rummy with a deck of cards. So you'd buy the deck of cards and the government would tax it. And then you wanted a picture taken of you playing cards. And then they would tax the picture. And then you had to pay the photographer, so you wrote him a check. And they taxed the check. They taxed a lot of stuff. They did, yes. So the original idea is that you had a particular stamp for a particular document. But then that didn't work out too well because people would run out of stamps. Like for photographs... Um, you may see a, a, a bunch of different stamps used to put on the back of photographs. Mm -hmm. So what they did eventually when they realized that that was too restrictive, what they did is they allowed you to use any stamp to pay the tax. As long as it was the same denomination. As long it was as you paid enough tax, yes. So you could use a playing card stamp on a stock transfer document. Or you could use you know, a passage ticket document on your customs form. So, uh, yeah, it, the different the different uh, stamps that were issued for the different taxes uh, eventually all were allowed to be interchangeably used. But then they fix this with the second issue, right? Because the second right. issue doesn't have any. Right. The second issue then is uh, doesn't have these specific services specified on the stamp. But they did come out with another second issue also for proprietary. So they had the proprietary issue also, the RBs. The second, the second, second issue? The, well, you had the RB issue. Well, they had, there were, yes, there were, there were certain things where they started to, to uh, break it off and, and make different stamps for it. And that's one of the things that we're going to discuss today because we're going to be discussing one of these branches Yes. of these revenue stamps. Right, you have general revenue stamps, which eventually kind of morphed into being mostly documentary in the 20th century. And then uh, and then you have other things where they issued specific stamps for them that did not, they generally didn't look 
the same as these documentaries. Not stamps. even close. Like wine stamps and other than beer the, stamps. Other than and the stock transfer stamps, which yeah. look had similar designs and they were all the same color. That's what we're talking about. The the document stamps for the general issue were red, whereas the ones that were specific to stock transfers were green. So as the government behemoth got bigger, they went from separating out the, the stamps in the beginning to consolidating and then separating out again. Yep. Well, of course. Yep. The cancellation of these stamps were usually done in pen and ink, while hand stamp cancellations were seldomly used and subsequently are more rare. Even more rare than that are printed cancellations. Printed cancellations? Yes. When the Civil War ended, it did not mean an end to revenue taxes, as the federal government still had not paid the $2.7 billion debt it had acquired until 1883, at which time it finally repealed many of the taxes. But not all. And then it started passing more taxes. Mm -hmm. During the period from 1940 to 1958, the Department of Internal Revenue really only taxed a few items. The two big ones were stock transfers and real estate transfers. As you can guess from the intro, we will be discussing the real estate transfers here today. Documentary revenue stamps in three basic designs were issued with denominations that range from one cent to $10,000 and with a variety of different portraits of notable statesmen, each denomination of stamp bearing a different portrait. Almost all of the issues of this period were printed in carmine red. The higher denominations of $30 to $10,000 bore a unique serial number as an added security measure. The stamps were also overprinted with the year of the issue for further security. Yeah, they didn't want you uh, reusing a $10,000 stamp, that's for sure. I remember this was a couple decades ago, and uh, First American Title closed, you know, it, they started with Microfish, and so they were scanning everything, and they sold their warehouse to this fellow. And he brought it all out and dumped it on his front yard because he didn't have enough room in the uh, house. But there were just boxes and boxes and boxes of old leases from La the Los Angeles area. And they all had the red revenue stamps on them. And some of them were really super impressive. Like there was one that uh, was from Lancashire uh, Universal Studios. And the transaction was so much, it had two $10,000 stamps on it and then a bunch of lower denominations. And it was just crazy. It, it was like a book. And First American Title had stored this since the late 1940s. And so finally they said, hey, we have Microfish. All this stuff is out of here. And it was very interesting. A lot of it hit the market just from this one guy. Interesting. I remember seeing the uh, the deed for my parents' first home after they sold it, and uh, I think I still have it somewhere. Maybe my dad still has it, um, but it's got the revenue tax stamps still attached to it, and I just thought that was interesting because, well, I like stamps. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> you go and you look at some of these documents, and the ones I really like are the ones for like subdivisions. And so 
it'll have an entire map of the subdivision, the legal description and everything like that, really, really nicely done. And then it's got the stamps on it. So it's like, hey, I'm a stamp collector. This fits in my collection. Neat stuff. Yeah, the big, the big problem is a lot of these documents are large and they don't really fit in an album. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a lot of people are getting away from album collecting nowadays. Well, especially this is more like postal history. You know, if you have, and I have lots where you get a envelope with a nice letter in it, you save the letter with the envelope. And the stamp makes it, you know, stamp collecting as opposed to letter collecting. But some of these documents are really impressive looking and they're, they're huge, you know. The stamps all show past secretaries of the treasury starting with Alexander Hamilton on the one cent and going up to Samuel P. Chase on the $1,000, then to Walter Gresham on the $10,000 stamp. The stamps don't show all the secretaries of the treasury, but the ones it does show are in order of their appointment. So, uh, so I know Mark has a very extensive red revenue collection. Why don't you tell some people about it? I actually have a complete red revenue collection, um, which um, is uh, is doable. Um, the um, uh, it is very tough to get a collection like that complete without uh, any cut, cancel, or perforated initials, um, because they're uh, much more. Um, uh, much more readily available in those conditions, but um, uh, but without uh, cut cancels and perforated initials, um, it's tough. And uh, trying to collect them uh, mint is also uh, very difficult. Oh, I'd think it would be impossible mint because you have ten thousand dollar stamps. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who's going to leave a ten thousand dollar stamp of out there laying around for somebody to get? Well, one of the challenges is um, the dated revenues. Uh, they all have a date, 1940 through the 1950s. But sometimes the, uh, if you have an example of perforated initial, uh, it might be covering the date. Mm. And uh, there could be a vast difference in value between a 1940 and a 1948. Um, so sometimes uh, you can discern the, uh, the different stamps by the font used, uh, where it says series, uh, 1940. Um, you can discern whether or not, um, because sometimes they used all caps in the word series, sometimes you use upper and lower case. Uh, and then you can also uh, get some information from the serial number of the stamp. So if you have a stamp that you think might be rare and it's, and, but the date is obliterated uh, through a perfin or something like that, you can, uh, you can look at the serial numbers of genuine stamps that have been sold at auction, certified stamps, and see if the serial number of your stamp is in the range of the serial numbers uh, of the stamps that were sold in that, mm, inter in that range. Very interesting. Some tricks into expertizing. Yeah. You have a complete collection. How much of it was used and how much was mint? Because it seems to me, except for the, old, the low values, it would be tough to find mint high values. Yeah, $20 and above is very tough to find. Um, the uh, and the other uh, thing to notate is that the thirty dollar value and above all have straight edges because they were printed in sheets of four or four up on a sheet, so they'll either have one or two straight edges. Uh, the other thing is that um, one thing I discovered is that there are sometimes the different cancellation methods um, 
there are stamps that look mint, but if they have even the slightest cut through the paper, it's still considered a cut cancel. And I've seen some red revenues that um, look mint, but they have been punctured by a wheel similar to the kind that the doctor uses to test your reflexes on your foot. You'll see a, a series of little punched dots. Yeah, and why don't you discuss cut cancels a little bit? Yeah, the cut cancel. For cancel, people who don't know what they are. Right, the cut cancel is, is one of the methods used to cancel the stamp so that it couldn't be reused or to indicate that it, that it was, in fact, um, in, in fact, used on a document. And so the, they'll affix the stamp to the document and then cut the document up with, um, uh, I guess, uh, some kind of blade or, or you know, different types of dies. But, um, but the cut cancel, even though a stamp may look unused and not have any, any marks on it, if it's been cut, uh, that's generally used used stamp. So how did you get your $10,000 values? Because that seems to me to be actually maybe not the $10,000, but like the 5000 would be really tough. Right. The 5000 is a lot tougher. Yeah, because the 10000 you may have multiples of them on a document, but you would never have multiple 5000s because if you had two of them, they'd put a 10000 stamp on. So it yeah, seems Unless they didn't have a $10,000 stamp. Well, that's true. In which case, you'd get a, a strip or a block or something like that of 5,000s. Well, which, which is more valuable? The, well, what's the valuable stamps of the series? Uh, I think a lot of the $5,000 stamps are, are the most valuable or most difficult to get. Um, there's some in the 1940 um, uh, revenues that, um, you know, that first uh, red revenue. That's Those are some, some tough stamps to get. Mm. But uh, I got most of them at auction, but um, I started my collection of red revenues by buying a collection of red revenues, and I had to compete with, um, with a lot of different people at an auction in order to get it. No. And it was, uh, I paid uh, a, a pretty high percentage of catalog value in order to get this collection, but, uh, but it, was worth, it was worth getting. There was one year where they didn't have the overprints, right? Well, they discontinued the overprints. Oh, Okay. So, eighteen or nineteen fifty, the last issue. Or it something? was in the fifties, yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, nineteen fifty-eight, I believe. Nineteen fifty-eight doesn't have a year date on it. Right. Oh. Now, now, one thing we don't talk a lot about grading, but uh, when you're grading the higher values, the ones that all have straight edges, that straight edge on the right doesn't count against you when you grade those, because every single one has to have at least the straight edge on the right. So. The ones that have two straight edges, straight edge is going to count against you on the grade because most people like completely perforated stamps here in the States, and so the, that's what the grading system is based on, having perforations on all four sides. But since they don't exist, uh, the one the straight edge on the right is not counted against the grade. Have you, uh, Mark, have you seen anywhere uh, they re-perforated the straight edge to make four for uh, perforated edges. We should start doing that <laughs> as a service. I have never us. seen one, but I think the value kind of says don't bother because then because most people who do collect those know that yeah. they have to have a straight edge, so there's no point in reperforating it or adding fake perforations yeah, yeah. Uh, because anybody in the know is not going to want that stamp. Anything else? Uh, it should be noted that uh, was I think it was 1997 that the uh, National Postal Museum deassessed 
Oh, DX session. Yes. DX session of, yes. of uh, revenue stamps, and some of them were dated revenues. And, uh, and, and some, I think, even um, lacked data, or maybe that was the greens. But the, um, but the Postal uh, Museum sold them uh, at auction. Mm-hmm. And um, Well, one thing they did do is they looked at the relative scarcity of what was in the market, and if something was super scarce or, or uh, not known, then they kind of limited the number, even though they had tens of thousands of these sheets they limited the number that was sold off and they destroyed the rest just to kind of they wanted not, to keep not to push the, rare, yeah. right not to push the rarity uh too far so if there were you know 3 or 5 known of something then they were only going to sell maybe 3 to 10 more they weren't going to sell you know 100 sheets and that was just pretty controversial them. actually it, oh, it, it still was is. and it still is but i mean they yeah they made them a little less rare, but they didn't completely destroy the rarity fa- factor for these things. Well, they they hurt a lot of value on a lot of stamps. They did. Yeah. Well, but they kind of swamped the market with yeah. the, the quantities that they had. Yeah, I know a dealer who still has a large stock of this stuff. and Well, of some know, things, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it's going to take about 50 years to get it all into the marketplace. Because there's just so much of it. Well, it's, he won't be doing it then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've noticed that some of the stamps, um, or actually I think a majority of the stamps that were sold at that original auction are being resold now at auction at lower than the amounts originally paid. Yeah. Yes. It was not a good investment. Uh, although I think one exception may be the uh, ones that were marked uh, marijuana. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the, there um, were very few marijuana stamps sold, and that was more obviously for political reasons. But yes. I look at the stock transfers that they sold and the wine stamps that they sold, and they really did a job. They probably cut the value on that st- those stamps by half easily. Yeah. Although, I mean, but that's if you're looking for mint examples. The uh, used examples are still oh, yeah. used examples, and you're not gonna you're not gonna change that factor because they didn't have any used examples in their sales. So. Yeah, I collect used wine stamps that show the name of the a winery on it, and those are they always sell for more than catalog value. You'll never find one with catalog value, even if it's cut, cancel, and damaged. It's still worth more than catalog value. And then, of course, you have the Hawaii ones also, which are really cool because uh, they have pineapple wine. So you have the Hawaii pineapple wine stamps, which I guess they should actually be listed as a provisional, I guess, because wasn't a state then. Territorial revenues. Anything else? Bye, Don. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, a little vocal fry there, huh? Well, I guess that's that's the time to have it, right? Yeah. <laughs> if it was gonna happen, that was it. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go.
If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! It's a descend up. It's a descend up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.